This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, as always, thank you so much for choosing to listen today. Today we're going to be talking to Ruth Bradford, who runs the Little Black and White Book Company. Ruth creates animal-themed black and white illustrations for babies, toddlers and preschoolers to help early visual and brain development, as well as foster an early love for wildlife. Her range includes books, interactive flashcards, prints and accessories. This is a fantastic conversation. Um, Ruth and I touch on lots of different things, um, including how and why she entered awards as part of her strategy for the first year, how she was recognised by Joe Wicks back in June this year and the impact that had on her sales. We also talk about her vision and her why for her business and how that plays a part in all that she does. This is a really fantastic conversation. Um, She had so much to share and I really hope you enjoy it. So hi Ruth, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. No problem. So could we start please by telling us about your business and what it is that you sell? Yes, so I sell high contrast animal themed illustrations for babies, toddlers and preschoolers. And they take the form of board books and storybooks and interactive flashcards, prints, muslins, um, anything that's really useful for parents, really, um, but all in black and white. Fantastic. And so what, what, what inspired you to get started selling black and white products? Well, so back in 2016, I was pregnant with my son. Um, we were actually living in Singapore. And like a lot of first time parents, I learned about the benefits of black and white images that really help stimulate early visual development in babies. So it, it helps. It's something they can actually see and interact with when their whole world is really blurry. Um, and then that helps in turn improve their sort of stimulate the brain and improve brain development. Um, and so I went off in search of some books that I could share with him. And I was just really, really underwhelmed. I mean, partly it could be that I was living in Singapore, but even when I looked on the Internet, it was just they were just quite basic and there was just nothing that really caught my attention and I would really enjoy sharing with him I think so um and I'm a graphic designer I've been doing that for donkey's years since I graduated um and so I just thought well I could draw some of my own illustrations that we could share at home and then I shared those in turn with some um other new parents and the response was pretty amazing and in my whole baby bubble (laughs) decided that I could totally start a business at that time with a newborn baby um and yeah it just sort of spiraled from there really that I there was a gap in the market for for high quality content of that kind that wasn't you know the usual kind of kiddie stuff and that I could maybe introduce animals that 
children at that age would normally have access to at all and just hopefully get their, their imaginations going and, and help them fall in love with, with wildlife. That's amazing. So what were the first <laughs> products then that you started out with? So the, the range started with three board books and one set of flashcards. And it was, um, I did one for Asia because that's where we were living and we'd seen a lot of the wildlife in, in person. And then Australia because my in-laws lived down there <laughs> and um, Africa because we'd been really lucky enough to go on safari. So there were three places that in terms of wildlife, they, they kind of tick off all the big stuff that everyone's heard of. Um, but they were also places we'd visited and that were really special to us. Um, the flashcards were Asia as well. Um, and with those, I wanted to do something that kind of when you're a frazzled parent and you, you think you, sh- you should be talking to your baby because they respond to your voice and you want to soothe them or have something to say, it's really hard when you're just totally frazzled to know what to do with them. And so the flashcards came about that I didn't just want pictures to show them, which a lot of other flashcards do. I wanted something that you could read out on the back. So they've all got facts on the back. But then... I also wanted them to last longer than the first few months. So by having the facts, it means that they're, they're really good for older children. So as they're learning their words and the names of the animals and things like that, and they actually have a little interaction so you can get them thinking about similarities and differences between us and the natural world. And so they actually last from birth right up to sort of preschool and, and beyond, depending on, on children's interests. So that, although the board books um, came really naturally because it's just... We, I love reading and I think books are really important um, from an early age. The, the flashcards were something that I got really excited about because they were just something different and a really easy tool that parents could take with them on the go because they're super light and easy to transport. So they, they, that was the kind of core of the range. Wow, so that's what you started out with. And do the books have words as well or the board books just pictures? They're just pictures. They have the name of the animal and in the front they have a map to show where the animals come from because I'm also really passionate about making sure children understand what animals live together a lot of children's books are beautiful but they kind of put pandas with tigers and lions and and it's like they don't all live together and they don't live in a jungle and it's I just find like it's quite confusing for children because I have arguments with my three-year-old all the time about where stuff lives and it's like it's because he's read it and he's seen it in a book and it's like that's not factually correct and I think I'd just rather he grew up knowing where things lived or what kind of habitats they lived in so yeah, so all of my board books will always group animals together from where they come from. And the map in the front, as, again, as they get older, rather than obviously not as a newborn baby, but, but it just means it touches on those different development stages as they ask questions about the world and they can just imagine where they, they might come from and what the, the weather's like there and all those kind of things. Yeah, and I imagine that's actually also quite good for parents because I think, you you know, I'm not sure I know exactly where every single animal lives. Yeah, so. yeah. actually with my, um, the storybook that I did this year, uh, I've had a few people, parents sort of say, oh, I can't even say some of the animals. Or, you know, you've been looking them up and learning about them and it's just brilliant. It's lovely that it's it's surprising people and it's it's nice to have designed something that's good for parents as well because I think a lot of the kind of, baby stuff is just a bit mind-numbing and so it's nice that parents can look at it and go this is this is really nice for me to look at as well and that we share it together and it's not just passive yeah and also I think now a lot of parents may be put off by buying products if you know if you get a sense that it might be a bit annoying or a bit you know it doesn't look nice um because obviously we're the ones buying them not the children so yeah I guess yeah you do have to appeal to the parents as well yeah and and also I think um, not to be too shallow 
um, about it, but the Instagram generation of, you know, people want to be taking beautiful pictures of their homes. And so monochrome particularly fits in so well with a beautiful nursery setting or, you know, um, I don't know, a lovely outfit or whatever. Like people just love the aesthetic, I think. And I think black and white is such an easy one to, to team with anything, really. And so, yeah, um, helping parents feel sort of soothed in their chaos <laughs> is, yeah. is quite a nice feeling. It is. It's lovely to have something beautiful to look at while you're feeding or whatever you're doing. Yeah. So can we just go back to the um, to when you got started and talk through some of the practical steps, if that's okay? So let's talk about how did you go from um, sort of creating these products, sharing them with your friends? What were the practical steps you then took to actually create the board books and the flashcards? And we can take them together or separately, however you feel yeah. makes most sense. Uh, so... I'll just caveat everything by saying I'm a real feet first gung-ho kind of person so I I'm really bad at sort of thinking ahead and especially when it comes to the creative stuff I kind of just get so carried away and excited that I, I kind of jump in and, and it's good and bad right I think it doesn't hold me back I don't over procrastinate um but equally I'm probably not a really good example of how to do things <laughs> but anyway that aside um I so what did I do first so I actually created just some little paper they had a hard back cover and but paper pages and they were just from um, a website that let you upload you know you can create little photo books that kind of yeah. thing so I I just used one of those I think it might have been blurb or something like that and I just did so I had the illustrations and I did sort of little prototypes in those and that's what we use and that's what I gifted to some friends and things like that and then obviously they're not very good for for little fingers and you can't prop them up or anything like that and so um I was really keen to to do the board books because they're just so good from from newborn and they last and they're really durable and so then it was a case of just trying to find a printer um and again it's just sort of quite first you just have to do a lot of searching on google and send some emails and um, i was really lucky that i found somebody in hong kong because at the time that was obviously local to me being in singapore um that it wasn't you know it's not a huge leap to hong kong um and they hit all my eco credentials that i was wanting so they print with soy ink and they um use make sure these um forestry certified paper stock and all of that kind of stuff and recycle board and everything kind of hit those eco sort of credentials that I was looking for and it was just really easy like from there because they would they were super helpful I explained that I I don't actually have a print background I used to work in website and things like that so they walked me through it all I sent the artwork they would send me proofs um they sent me I actually ordered um some real kind of prototypes from that point and so it was a few hundred dollars so it wasn't a lot of money uh a few hundred dollars for for actual kind of real um board books so i could see what they were like and see the scale and everything like that of the, the graphics and the text um and the same with the flashcards. um i'd seen some flashcards that i i really wanted i thought the quality was great um and they actually printed those as well. Um, so it was, it was, I already knew that they could do the good quality flashcards that I was looking for. So, so yeah, I just ordered samples. I um, was really, really happy with, with the samples that they sent. And then ordered a print run. Um, the only downside of doing something like books is that in order to get the margins, you have to order quite large quantities. <laughs> and it was, yeah. So I think I ended up ordering about a thousand of everything to start with which is is huge when you haven't actually had any sales whatsoever um 
but you know it's just one of those things that you kind of have to weigh up is it better to just go for it um and hope you can sell them or is it better to go for minimum quantities but have like very little profit to start with and so I don't know this it was just very personal to our circumstances is that we could just go for it and we just went for a thousand of each just to see what ha happened at that beginning point and then um I tried a Kickstarter campaign, which was a massive flop <laughs> because it turns out Kickstarter is really hard and you have to put in a lot of work before you launch, which I didn't quite appreciate. Um, but it, was, it wasn't a complete disaster because within 24 hours of that failing, I had actually set up my own website and had, was taking pre-orders. And most of the people, because they all knew me anyway, people who had backed me on Kickstarter just came and placed a pre-order. And then, so I had a little bit of cash coming in and I think it was about a four or five month wait to get the stock so I had all these people who very kindly kind of placed orders about four or five months out um from getting their products um but, but yeah it's kind of how it all spiraled I guess at the beginning it was just trying to respond as quickly as possible I definitely think there's something to be said for just jumping in and getting started because if you hadn't done that you'd never would you know you never would know whether it would take off or not so I do think I do think that's actually a good thing um obviously like you say you also need to make you know consider things but I mean yeah I think I, I personally I think getting started and doing something is the best way to test out whether you've got a viable product and taking pre-orders is sounds like a fantastic idea because as you said that gave you a little bit of money up front to cover some of that order and I yeah and I think a little bit of money coming in yeah, yeah and it was proof of concept and that people actually genuinely interested in it um I mean it's nerve-wracking because you you think oh well I hope they like it when they get it um but yeah it was the proof of concept a little bit of money coming in and something to talk about so to build up the social media side of things and um start getting the brand out there um yeah I mean for me it worked like being kind of gung-ho and just going for it it worked but that's that's my personality so um business plans and planning is not not my forte yeah and I know that if you're listening to this and that isn't your personality that probably sounds terrifying so um, <laughs> yeah. yeah so I'm not I'm definitely not suggesting that everyone goes gung-ho but I do think there's something to be said for being brave and and just taking that first step at least so coming back to those initial sales were they mainly then people that you knew um in Singapore initially uh, no, actually yeah not in Singapore it's a few people in Singapore but mainly back in the UK um, okay yeah and actually we moved back to the UK before I got the stocks so that complicated things a little bit further because I I ended up I don't I still don't really know why I decided on this but I split the stock so part of it went to Singapore to a friend's house and most of it came to the UK and because I I felt that having some in Singapore I hoped to be a bit more established there before we left and I would maybe have some uh, shops or something that would be taking them. And I didn't want to have to be sending stuff from the UK. It, that all kind of just didn't really work out at all. Um, so there's still some stocks sat in my friend's um, cupboard uh, in Singapore. But, um, uh, but most of it actually came to the UK. Um, so we got back to the UK in August 2017. And the stock arrived in September 2017. And so um, and pretty much all the orders were, were for uk um so my friends back here or people that had kind of heard about it through friends of friends and things like that so it wasn't too much of a logistics nightmare to to kind of get them out well that's good and it sounds like you were already talking about them on instagram before they were even ready so i guess you were building up more of awareness and more orders before the stock even arrived 
Yes. Yeah. I think that's the key thing that if I was going to go back and do it again, I, I think I would put more effort into the whole kind of pre-launch. I was lucky that I got the pre-orders and I was lucky that I got a bit of a following, but I think the more work you can put in before you actually go live with the product is probably better. Um, you know, the more you can involve people on that journey and involve them in the story and the product development and show them the, the process. I think people really love that because they're, they're then very invested in you rather than just coming cold with a, ta-da, I've got this thing I want to sell you. It, it's just a much nicer way of doing it. And so I did a bit of that. I hadn't appreciated just how much you probably need to do, to be honest. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And also from a practical point of view, there can be quite a bit of a lead time, as you found out, between placing your order and actually having the product ready to fulfill. So you might as well be using that time to build awareness because there actually is there's only so much else you can be doing during those weeks or months or however long it takes. Yeah, and you don't really want to sort of just disappear off the radar, especially mm. if you have taken pre-orders, because I think then people get nervous that, you know, that you've taken their money and that it might never materialise. Um, so that it's reassuring to your, your customer base and the people that are following you that, yeah, there is stuff going on, you are working hard. And it just, yeah, I, I'm all for transparency and, I'm you know, sharing as much as possible and bringing people along with you, because I just think it just adds that kind of feel-good factor about a brand. Yeah. Definitely. And it's nice to sort of, yeah, feel like there's a person behind the brand and kind of know a bit of the story. Definitely think that's important. So what stage did you then um, expand your product range? So I think I added uh, two more books in 2018. So it's a year after I'd launched the first ones. I had them ready for Christmas 2018. So they arrived in the October because um, yeah I think coming from Hong Kong there, there is quite a lead time so again it's something that I've learned as I've gone along is that you have to really plan for that that kind of product printing so even though my printer was all tried and tested by that point there's still minimum six to eight weeks before I'm going to get anything in person from sending them the artwork um, so yeah so it was October I added the British book and the Oceans book which was Again, really good. I took pre-orders on those. As soon as I knew that the order was definitely going to arrive before Christmas, I was able to place pre-orders. And it was, um, that was a pretty good Christmas for me because I think a lot of people wanted to add to their, their collection if they'd bought the year before. Um, and then I also added um, flashcards for every book as well at that point. So um, there was yeah, a set of flashcards that matched all of the books at that time. Um, and then around that, I was sort of adding little things like um prints um you know because they're they're very easy to do small runs so when i was trying to think of products that i could do a small run of quite cheaply just to, to bulk out the product range a little bit more and offer something that um you know it's a nice gift or if somebody's already got the books you know it's another reason to come back to me and buy rather than it always just being this one thing that once you've got it you've got it and you just sort of don't need anything else um, and also, I, I just love that side of creating and, and product development. So, um, so it's just nice to have that sort of to do in, in the meantime, whilst waiting for the new books. So, so the range has sort of slowly, organically grown as I've had ideas and gone, oh, I can do that. And that's quite cost efficient. And I can try it. And, or, you know, oh, I'd love to do that. And, um, and the range has probably grown, apart from the books and the flashcards, everything else is, is um it's a lot easier to produce. It's a lot quicker and you can test it and, and just do small runs. So it's a nice way of kind of, like I say, padding out the range. 
That's fantastic. So are you now, um, so you're still using the same printer in Hong Kong, is that right, for your books and flashcards, or have you moved to the Well, <laughs> so I've had a bit of a disaster with that, um, sadly, that um, the last shipment that I had was just not very good at all. And they'd, all of the, I mean, it's such a tiny thing, but I can't, I can never send anything out unless I think it's perfect. And a lot of the spines, about 60% of the the books all the spines had a little nick in them or a little tear and so I had to sort of write off most of that and I they, they are replacing them they're on their way now so I'm keeping everything across that the um the new ones are going to be perfect but it's just left me with boxes and boxes of stocks that I can't sell and so through my storybook that I wrote this year I started working with a Bristol printer called Dufton Press and, and Matt at Dufton is amazing um, and he has gone out and found me a new board book printer because he says that no one in the UK does it, which is a real challenge. But he's managed to find someone in Europe for me. But the best thing is that he's managing the whole process through Dubton. So I now have a bit of a buffer of somebody who really knows their stuff and is happy to deal directly with the printer with what I need. Um, and I'm hoping again, so I'm going to end up doubling up on stock, which is, I just hope I can sell it. But I've had to order because I've just I've run out of quite a lot of the best sellers. So I've had to order some stock through um, through this new printer who's in Poland um, whilst waiting for these replacements to come from Hong Kong. So it's, it's a very peculiar situation that I don't think many people would find themselves in and I'm going to end up with stock up to my eyeballs. But I'm hoping that going forward, this new printer being closer to home uh, and working through a sort of third party who is incredibly knowledgeable and um can manage that whole process for me is just going to make things a lot smoother and a lot easier oh i'm so sorry you had that experience but it's good that you found a solution yeah and actually i'm, I'm because the books the damaged books technically haven't cost me anything because i'm having them replaced i've actually just been giving them away to charities um and childcare providers and i think you know this year has been a, a tough year and so um, I just have a little application form on my website that people can apply and um, to say if they would like a book donation sort of up to 100 books and they've been going off all around the country to hospitals and charities and childminders and nurseries anyone that can really make use for them and get their kids kind of interested in reading and, and books and things so yeah out of out of a really bad thing where I've literally cried as I've opened boxes and just gone none of these are okay um it's it's a really lovely feeling to just be able to kind of flip that and go actually I'm just making lots of people smile now um and it's clearing out my garage which is quite helpful yeah. too. <laughs> oh what a lovely thing to do I'm so pleased you managed to find something positive out of it yeah That's fantastic I'm also um didn't realize there were no board book printers in the UK and that's really surprised me so that's something else that I've learned today because you would assume that um being a paper-based product that there would be lots of um suppliers so that's really interesting yeah I mean I think I'm not 100% sure whether it's that there just aren't any at all that have the equipment or whether it's so expensive you just wouldn't do it unless it yeah. was a really small tiny like private run thing it's certainly not at a commercial scale and the, and the margins that I need to make it work the the yeah, there isn't anyone doing it. And I think because out in China, they've been doing it so long and all the, the big publishing companies use it out there, they have got a corner on that market. Um, and so if you want to be able to to print board books domestically, it is a, a huge challenge to find somebody that is closer to home 
like not in the UK, but at least Europe and managing that whole kind of um, order process. And, you know, you've got language barriers with China, you've got time differences, you've got shipping costs, which again, environmentally is not, not particularly in line with what, what I'm wanting to do with my business. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's been challenging, but I've, yeah, I've been very, very lucky to meet um, Matt, who's, who's just done a lot of the hard work for me because I was just hitting dead end after dead end. Yeah, finding suppliers, yeah, can be tricky. And it's always good to have a recommendation as well that you know that this company are good. Because you mentioned that you sell muslins as well, so I'm assuming that's also a different supplier. Yeah, and that's, again, that's China. Um, it's just really hard to find anyone in the UK. I sent off so many emails to manufacturers here and and if they even bothered to reply it was a no we just don't do that it wasn't they didn't even want a conversation about it or you know to say well we don't do it but we could um we could look into it or you know let's have a chat about it nothing it's just this it's such a I and I a few other people have said about manufacturing in the UK it's just really hard to get a foot in the door and get anyone to talk to you because you're so small compared to the people they're dealing with but unless you're lucky and you get an introduction to somebody who's really interested in small business, most people just, they won't even entertain you. <laughs> it's really frustrating. And so, yeah, I sort of had to go look to China again because my experience there is that they kind of can't do enough to help. They really want to help and that they really want to produce your products. It's just really challenging because it's such a long way away. Can't always visit. Um, you know, you're trusting what they're telling you, you're trusting what's on their websites, and you know, it's really hard to do your due diligence. So it, it's a really tricky position to be in. And I feel for anybody trying to pr- like develop a product in the UK, because it's, it just hasn't, there are a lot of hurdles. And if you can get past them, there's a lot of benefits. But for me, I think the type of products I want to produce, sadly, it, it's just really hard to do that here. Um, again I'm, I'm sort of really keen to try and find somebody closer to home to do the muslins because i'd really love to branch out into more kind of soft furnishing type products or um you know like pram toys or baby gym toys or something you know or even just more styles of muslin because um at the moment i've just got the one and it'd be really nice to open that up a bit more but i think supply chain wise at the moment it's just not feasible with working with china um so yes yeah, so it's been a really good experience so far like I'm really happy with the product but it's it's just the logistics and the the thought of it all being so far away and uncontrollable is is quite tough yeah but I'm glad to hear you've had a like a mostly positive experience sourcing from China though because I know that's something that people can be a bit nervous about but the reality is as you found there are some products that just either aren't manufactured here or as you say it's just so hard to get a foot in the door for you know as a small business of a small order that you, you know you don't really have a choice but to go elsewhere so yeah I'm really pleased to hear that overall your experience sourcing there has been positive mine has been too I I saw some of my products in China and yeah you do hear the bad stories but I think as long as you're diligent um that you know overall I've had very positive experiences and as you said very friendly service you know people really want to help so I think it's just about um doing your research and finding the right supplier yeah definitely and I think yeah I don't want anyone to be scared about looking outside the UK and you know there's benefits to both of you know like I think quality should always be at the top of the the list you know that made in Britain stamp doesn't necessarily mean it's the best you know um I think there's there's lots of technology out there there's lots of amazing manufacturers 
I know India, certainly for soft furnishings and fabrics and things is incredible. You know, the, the sort of leaps and bounds that other countries are making right now um, are really interesting. And so, yeah, I think as long as people can try and do their research and if at all possible, obviously visit, but um, I know that's, that's really difficult. I haven't been able to visit the places that, that make my products, but um, yeah, trying to do as much research as possible, talk to people, try and find out if anyone you know has, has used a manufacturer before. I know a lot of people keep that close to their chest because it takes a lot of work to find them. But if, if you can get a recommendation, I think that's always a good place to start. Um, but yeah, definitely don't be put off. It's just, it's just working through that stuff right at the beginning um, in order to feel confident that you found the right partner. Yeah, and hopefully once you've got the right person then it's a long-term relationship and you know a lot of the hard work is done so how do you manage um, I'm just quite curious so having you have different products and different suppliers um how do you manage the logistics how does that work do you use a third-party supplier do you ship everything yourself how are you handling that day-to-day yeah I mean it's chaos um <laughs> uh yeah it's taking over a bit I think um as the product range range has grown it's definitely got a bit bit more difficult um i'm sat in my loft at the moment where all my stock that i have at home is and it's just yeah it's piled up around me um and i am packing everything myself which i love although i realize it's a complete and utter waste of my time really because i could be spending doing other things but i'm just not quite there yet in order to get somebody to come and do that or outsource it so um very soon i'm about to start some storage so it's all going to go into storage and I'll just pick and choose the the small pieces that I need um for packing orders each week but I'm hoping by maybe early next year that I'll have found some sort of fulfillment option and whether that is a third-party kind of warehousing solution or whether that's somebody who can come in once or twice a week for me my preferred option would be to have somebody who can come and do it um but that obviously comes with a lot of setup costs and I need space for them and all of that kind of thing. And it, obviously I've got to find that person who's the right fit, who's willing to come and just pack a few parcels for me. Um, at the moment, it's not unmanageable because, um, you know, it's just a steady flow of orders, but I'm, I am growing at a good rate and I'm really keen to be able to maximise that and maximise my time. So, yeah, I, at the moment, it's just a huge juggling act around family and home life. And, and actually having it at home is, is helpful because you can go, oh, I've got 10 minutes, I can go and, you know, pack a few orders now or you know late at night something comes in and you really want to add it to the next day's dispatch you can just go oh I'll just go and do it you know I haven't got to worry about managing customer conversations too much because everything's manageable in my space but yeah it's not it's not a long-term solution (laughs) it's not gonna I don't think it can last much longer if I'm honest because I'm just running out of space to put things but you're right though it's good it's good when you especially when you first get started I mean yes you can change and evolve but actually it's probably quite good to be hands-on first of all because you know how things should be done you you're managing it yourself you've got complete control over it you you, yeah I think it's it's definitely a good way to get started yeah and there is something really lovely about seeing someone's order come in especially if they've written a gift note that I handwrite those gift notes and I pack it all up knowing that it's somebody's chosen that for a really lovely reason um or, or even if it's just for themselves, or, you know, just to know that there's that stranger has chosen my products that I'm putting together in a little parcel for them and try to imagine, you know, how they'll feel when they open it. So trying to make it, you know, as packaged as yeah. well as possible and things like that. There is to have that, even if it's just for a short time at the beginning of your business, I think that real kind of 
um, I don't know, I suppose in cooking they called it nose to tail, wouldn't they? I don't know what you call it in business, but you know, that whole kind of start to finish process yeah. of putting your business out there to actually sending an order through the post is, is, is really special because somebody's voted with their money and they've gone, I really like what you do and I'm willing to give you my money for it. And that's like, that is amazing. And to, to experience that through fulfilling the orders yourself for a while it, 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 yeah I don't know for me I just really enjoy that part of it and I'll, I'll be sad when, when I have to finally let go yeah no I'm great I only this year stopped fulfilling my own orders and I still kind of miss one thing I used to write a handwritten note in every order that I sent out or like a little thank you card and I still miss being able to do that because obviously once someone else starts doing that for you some of these little things have to stop and yeah I do definitely miss being able to do that because you do feel a little bit more detached at that point um and obviously it has you know to grow it has to happen it's practical but yeah I think yeah it's nice to be able to have that personal touch isn't it yeah definitely um so let's talk a little bit about your very many award wins and some of the successes you've had in the last few years because yeah I've seen it all and um I'd love to to talk a little bit about that so yeah so should we start um I'll start with an easy one so can you tell us like some of the awards that you've um received in the past couple of years yeah I mean I haven't done anything recently but that first year that I started the business properly in earnest when we were back in the UK and I was settled in Bristol so that was 2018 so from March 2018 I think I went right this is going to be the real deal now I'm going to try and and make this as big as it can be um I hadn't actually appreciated how low my confidence was (laughs) and that to go out and sell I'm not very good at selling at all uh, and to have your own business especially a product business it involves not only selling your products but selling yourself and your story and I've never been the most confident person but I've always had a quiet confidence in my ability at work and things like that whereas this is a whole new level of kind of putting yourself out there and I had the biggest wobble ever and I kind of came home from my, one of my first events and fell apart and I was like, I can't do it. And my husband, bless him, gave me a big old pep talk. And we decided that that year, the best thing for me was just to try everything. So just literally say no to nothing and just see what worked. And the worst thing was I didn't have to go back or didn't have to redo anything. It was, it was just try it, see how I felt and see what would happen. And so the awards were a really big part of that um because I was like I've got nothing to lose um I'm totally unproven in the market no one's really heard of me so let's see if I can get a bit of validation and boost my kind of um credentials a little bit and so I just yeah I just kind of found a little bit of budget and just went for it and entered everything that I could see that might be of use to me um and so that included um I did the made for mums awards and the junior design awards and I got silver at both of those which was amazing because um, I think Usborne and Penguin Random House were sort of first and third in that. So to be placed amongst giants of the publishing world was incredible. Um, and then when I do have a list here, let me find it. Um, so I was one of the small business Saturday, small business 100 businesses that year as well. And I went to the House of Lords, which is pretty nice for their reception. Um, I got to go to 10 Downing Street with Enterprise Nation, which I, was a, is a business organisation I joined, but um, they take people along to chat to the business minister about things that could help small businesses. So I actually got to go inside and sit in a meeting room and have my say, which was incredible. 
um, as one of the SBS winners with the Apathetus on Twitter and then got to meet him and get my certificate in person at his event. Um, and then probably the biggest one that year was the, the female startup of the year again with Enterprise Nation. And that involved having to stand on stage and pitch to the audience and the judges, which was really nerve wracking. And if you told me at the beginning of the year, that's what I'd be doing, I would have run an absolute mile <laughs> like, in the opposite direction because I never thought I would. But I think because I'd already entered the awards and had some success, I'd been going to lots of things and learning how to talk about the business, that it actually wasn't as daunting as it could have been. And yeah, coming out as a winner, was really it wasn't so much about the winning it was more about the fact that everyone in the room and the judges just just believed in me and believed in the business and saw it as a business and not just as this thing I was sort of playing at and you know just a hobby that they actually saw my vision and, and how I wanted to grow it so yeah I mean I don't think I've really done much since 2018 in terms of awards I mean I've entered the odd thing but but not with a lot of success but um I sort of not really felt the need I think that first year when I was just starting out was a really good time to do it um, just to build my confidence up, build some credibility for the brand and the products. And, and I just really didn't have anything to lose. So it, yeah, it really worked for me. And I would, I would, I would advocate it. Anyone, you know, if they've got a new product and they, they just want some feedback, it's a really good way of getting that. That's fantastic. And um, so would you say that did the award wins help with raising awareness of the product and the brand? Or was it more that you had the credibility because obviously you can put the logo on your website and things or both? Yeah, both. Yeah, definitely both. I mean, I still get a lot of traffic from made for mums to the website because they leave all that content up. You know, they always have all the past winners. And so it's even if you just get shortlisted, anything that allows, you know, those backlinks and, and just to have your name out there on the, on the interweb um so yeah and being able to just put the badges on the products or on any social media posts and just have something to talk about and I've been invited back to to speak about things and you know with the female startup of the year I've had a lot of kind of PR on the back of that in terms of being invited to speak for things and um and, and being involved in their their event that they do each year so it's that it does open doors and it, it just gives you an in I think it's just a, it's just something to talk about without you know, you don't have to be really braggy about it, but it's just people will go, oh, weren't you that one? Or didn't you win that? Or didn't I see, you know, or yeah, it's opened up a lot of conversations for me. So it's, it's been hugely beneficial. Fantastic. Yeah, it definitely sounds like something worth trying if you have a new product and you just want to get some awareness out there and possibly a bit of feedback as well. Yeah, I mean, there is always a cost involved in some form, whether it's to enter or whether it's to be able to display the badge or whatever it is. But it's usually fairly small and I think if you if you're smart about it I mean I've only ever entered one category with one product so you know it doesn't have to be a huge barrier to entering it's just being a bit tactical with it and, and thinking about which categories you might have a good chance in and I guess which awards are going to be the best fit as well because I guess the made for mums awards for you was an ideal one because I'm sure that mums look at that website all the time to get ideas for you know new products so that seems like a really smart choice yeah and it's judged by mums you know and there's nothing better than to say like parents have actually approved this um I think as a parent myself I love anything that people go yeah parents have tried and tested this and they they say yes it's not just somebody sat detached going I like the look of it it's you know it's really kind of been tried and tested with real children and real parents yeah and that does give it real credibility 
And so speaking, um, well, this is a bit of a tenuous link, but speaking about being tried by real parents and real children, um, do you want to talk a little bit about how Joe Wick shared your products over the summer? Because I saw that on his Instagram and um, I would love to know how that came about and and the result of that. Yeah, so that, um, I'm really bad with the whole influencer thing and gifting and finding celebs to like share and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't do any of that and I probably should. So this is a bit of a one-off um, that I was doing his PE lessons every day through lockdown and it was just really helping me mentally and physically just feel a lot better. And he's such a nice guy and I listened to some podcasts of his and things and interviews and the way he talks about being a businessman is really refreshing and he's so positive about everything and he, he sort of gives himself little pet talks like, come on Joe you can do it <laughs> um, and he talks about just plugging away relentlessly at what he does and everyone thinks that he's just this amazing overnight success story but he always says no I'm an eight-year overnight success story because he's been doing it for a really long time he's just generated thousands of hours of content and and so I've just got a lot of respect for how he approaches all of that and his, his relentless energy, really. Um, and I know that his wife um, loves animals or they, they love animals as a family and he's, his kids are sort of the perfect age for my products. And so I just really sent a gift pack to his registered office. Um, I didn't even know if you'd get it. It's just I found his office on um, his website, bundled up a gift pack, wrote a letter about how much I've been loving his PE lessons and that I was really grateful and I, you know, respected him as a business person. It really helped me as a small business as well. And it really kind of resonated with me, some of the things he'd said. So it's probably a bit of a gushy letter, but it was all from the heart and it was all very genuine. Um, and I, I had no expectations at all. It was more kind of a, a repaying of kindness with the, the slight hope uh, inside me that he, yeah, if he shared it, it would be insane. But, um, but it, it certainly wasn't the, the, the main motivation. And then, yeah, one, like all of a sudden, like two or three weeks after I'd sent it, um, suddenly got a notification on Instagram that he, he was doing this story and boxing, like unwrapping them all and showing them and talking about them. And it all went a bit bonkers for 24 hours or more. <laughs> and I uh, just could see the, the orders coming in. And he actually sent me a really nice voice message on Instagram as well and about how much he loved them and that he, his uh, little girl was trying to pronounce some of them and it was really funny and that he was learning as well and it was yeah it was really lovely moment of just like wow okay this this guy who's doing all this amazing stuff also really likes what I'm doing um and then yeah I like the 24 because the Instagram stories is only live for 24 hours but that was the real kind of wow and my Instagram following went up by about a thousand which was again it was just sort of like watching it go um but the whole of that week really um yeah the orders were, were pretty high compared to normal and most of my amazon stock sold out as well um and so that month was a real bumper month for me it gave the business such a boost um and just lifted my spirits so much and then i think also it gave me some momentum to carry on the next couple of months you know stuff to talk about and i had, had such a spring in my step that it just it made like other stuff a, a little bit easier for me during quite a tough time of you know like the lockdown and everything like that so yeah a bit of a one-off but um amazing oh that's fantastic what a lovely story and see like you I've never done any of the sort of sending things to influencers because I just you know not sure how to feel about it not saying there's anything wrong with doing that I know lots of people have success but I really love the fact that you did it as a genuine thank you as you know you know you did it not 
you know, it was not thinking that he was going to share just to say thank you for all that he'd done for you. And I think that's a really lovely story. And I think it just, yeah, I mean, there's a nice message there. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, the influence stuff, I mainly just don't know who anyone is. <laughs> I'm such a nana that I just, I'm, I'm just not up with all the kind of current TV programs and, you know, why people are famous and, and like the people with the big accounts on Instagram. I'm just like, I have no idea who they are. And I find it really difficult to start a conversation with them or, or contact them when I'm like, I genuinely just have no idea who you are. So, um, so it was, this was an easy one because like, I already knew who he was and, you know, what he was doing and, and had that respect for him. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it, I do think it is a really good way of, of getting eyeballs on your business, but it's, it's a whole job in itself, you know, to, to sort of work out who are the best people to, to kind of approach I think so too. I'm sa- I'm the same. I I can't tell you who's got children, how old their children are. I just yeah, yeah, so out of the loop now. <laughs> now I've got children myself. Um, but yeah, I really do like that story because I think you did something genuinely lovely, and yeah, and I'm really pleased that you got that you know you got a boost in your sales. And as you say, it was such a tough time, wasn't it? Over because wasn't it around May June time? I remember when it happened. Yeah. I think all of us then who run, well, everyone, whether you run a business or not, I think all of us around that time were really flagging after months of being at home. And yeah, that must have been such a lovely boost. Yeah, it was perfect timing, really. I'm, I'm glad I, I plucked up the courage to do it. Well done. I think, yeah, you, you, you were really brave and well done. I'm so, and I'm so pleased that you got some recognition for it, even though I know that certainly wasn't your intention. I'm so pleased that that happened for you. Um. So and while we're on the subject of, of lovely things, um, I know that you donate 25% of your profits. That's something I read about you. And I would just love if you could just tell us a little bit more about that and about your business values and, and why you're choosing to do that. Yeah. Um, whether I've come to regret that as a, as a big percentage or not, I don't know. But, but ultimately, it, it really pushes me to be as successful as possible. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not super greedy. I don't want well it'd be lovely to have millions but that's not the end game you know this isn't about making money for me this is about building a business that I love and that I see myself running for as long as I can possibly run it this isn't a you know a quick kind of build it and sell it job um and my husband and I've always spoken about businesses that could give back and and you know even if if all the businesses in the world gave like one percent of their profits away or not point five percent you know but if every single one did it, what a difference that would make if it all went into this kind of karma pot that could help everybody. Um, and so I've always had, we've always had this thing about, you know, people and planet can both profit at the same time. And, and you know, they, they both would spur each other on to do better and better and better. And so it kind of came out of that. And I think probably a little bit of arrogance was in there that I wanted to put a a stake in the ground and go I don't want to just give five percent away I want to you know make it huge I want to make everyone go wow um so I I sort of went all in at 25 percent um which at the moment it's it's manageable but I think very I think this year I really need to sort out maybe some sort of fund that the money could go into so that it could work a bit harder so it's it's more than just the donation a one-off donation that it's my long-term dream is to have a fund that people can apply to for conservation projects and things like that so um i, I think I'll, I'll very soon start splitting it between a donation and going into that fund to try and build this money that people could apply to so yeah i think it's just for me it's i just think in this day and age businesses can do so much good um, and they don't have to be completely like separate from each other you know charities and business they should 
they can go hand in hand and it can be about profit it's not a dirty word it's you know it's kind of the more businesses can profit the more planet can profit and we should all be thinking more sustainably and eco-friendly and the choices we make some of them should be no-brainers you know about packaging and about single-use plastics and you know all of my products I try to make them they're designed to last they're not just one hit wonders you know so all of that comes into my philosophy as a business owner is that I want to have the best impact on the planet and I know that often the best impact is to just reduce and take away but I you know I, I want what I'm putting out there to have a positive impact I want to help children think differently as they grow up about wildlife and nature and I want them to to think that you know you can be a very successful business person and give a considerable amount back to whatever it is that you care about and, and sort of set a bit of a precedent for that. And that's all very lofty, I realise, but, but that's what drives me on is that the more money I can make for myself, the more money I can give away at the same time. That's fantastic. And it's, yeah, it's amazing that you're doing that. And it's also good that you're so clear on who you are, who your business is, what you're about and what your goals are, because yeah, it's totally, you know, you can really tell by talking to you that you're not doing it as a gimmick or as a marketing device. It's because it's something that you care passionately about and it's part of what, you know, spurs you on. So I think that's fantastic. And I don't actually talk about it all that much. It's more of a kind of, it's just printed on the back of the products and it's just sort of, oh, and by the way, um, I'm hoping, that there'll be a turning point where like I say I've kind of built up maybe that that fund or you know where it does become a more integral part of the conversation um at the moment I'm much more focused on people just um understanding how that we're trying to be as sustainable as sustainable as possible and that our products are genuinely built to last that they're not just you know for those early months because we all have so much baby clutter in those early days and you have no idea what's good and bad as a parent you just get all this stuff and people give you all these amazing gifts but it's a lot of stuff and so if if my products can cut through that a little bit and they're the the few things that last three or four years even that's amazing to me and then they get passed on you know like if they if they're still in pass honorable condition but but yeah, it's, it's all part of the bigger picture as a business that I'm just trying to create that message of positivity and that it's not, it doesn't have to be doom and gloom. Not all companies are out to just strip the earth of everything and, and you know, that it's not all about that, that one person at the top or anything like that, that it's, you know, it's about people and the planet and that hopefully when I get to the stage where I can bring anybody on board, it will be very much the right people and that, um, they believe in it in the same things that I do but also that I can help them and that they can be a part of something that they care about and it's not just an employee with a job I think that's fantastic and just really good that you're so clear on your why and why you're you know why you're doing this and um it, and as you were talking I was actually thinking that I have a very similar goal in terms of sustainability and creating products that last a long time. And I'm not sure that I ever really talk about it. So that's, um, <laughs> that's something to write down when we finish yeah. everything. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good conversation piece, I think. And people are definitely seeking it out more and more. And it's, it's people love to feel good about their purchases. So they might be buying it anyway. But if you can just add that little cherry on top, it makes them go, oh, that's lovely. And I'm going to tell the person I bought that for all about that because it makes my gift more thoughtful or yeah. you know it's just that feel good factor everyone loves that when you buy something you just want that extra little kind of oh 
Yeah. And I think that's a really good reminder to talk a bit more about yourself and, and the reason behind your business and why you're doing what you're doing and what your goals are. Because, um, it, you know, especially as a small business, it can't just be about the products because there are lots of products out there. I think people have to really resonate with you and your messaging as well. So that's a fantastic reminder. So we're just going to have a few more questions before we close, if that's okay with you, Ruth. Um, I would love to know what you, I mean, and you've given us lots of things already, but if you could summarize what you love about your business and particularly about sort of having a product business um, as opposed to anything else, that would be fantastic. For me, it's all about the creativity. So I studied graphic design at university. I worked in advertising for years. I've always done a creative job. So to have a business that has that creative outlet is the best thing for me personally, um, just in my well-being and what I enjoy doing. Um, I'm very lucky that I can design all of my products myself pretty much, you know, or take them to a stage at least that uh, it's good to pass over. So I do all of the illustrations, all of the design setup, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's what I love really is that, you know, um, I try and I, I've now sort of gift myself uh, at least half an hour in, in my work days to uh, to finish the day on something creative. So whether that's drawing some new illustrations or a little new product mock-up or anything like that, because I used to feel guilty for that because it was like taking away from finances and I don't know spreadsheets and all the, the logistics stuff that I was trying to ignore. Um, but now actually that that is the core of my business. My business is a creative business, and if I if I let that die, it's it's just that takes away the whole reason for doing this really for me um so yes it's really just all about the creativity having that creative outlet and trying to bring people along that journey with me yeah and absolutely you should do the things that you enjoy doing as well I think that's yeah that is really important that if you love the creative side that you do make the time to do that because you know when you start your own business one of that's one of the benefits is you could oh wait you have to do some things you don't enjoy but you should be doing a lot of things you do enjoy as well yeah and that's the thing that I'll try and keep as much as possible as I, as I grow is that the the people that I bring on board or out, the things I outsource are going to be all the things I'm not very good at the one thing I hopefully am good at is the creative side and the product development and I think something so lovely about a real product that you can hold yeah. <laughs> that you can look at and that you can share um and that people will vote, like I said earlier, sort of vote with their money that they go, right, I actually want to own this as an item. Um, and I think that's what, what sort of sets product businesses and maybe services businesses apart is that, yeah, they're buying into you, but they're also buying into what you're creating. And if you can physically create something that makes somebody else smile or makes their world a little bit better, that's, that's really lovely, I think. And, and channeling that creativity into, into a real life product that, that you can hold in your hands is, is quite special. It really is. Um, so one final question, if that's okay, Ruth. Um, and this is a question I ask everyone, which is what would be your number one piece of advice to other product creators or aspiring product creators? See, this is really hard because the, the more I talk about my journey, the more I realise I've got all these little bits that I want people to like take on board. But um, I think the biggest learning for me has been this, there are no rules that contrary to what all these people who probably make millions of pounds a year telling you out of consulting or you know that people set their business up around telling other people how to make millions and all that kind of stuff but ultimately as long as you're following the legal advice and tax rules everything else is up for grabs so there's no reason why you should be running your business as a carbon copy of someone else's you know like do this your own way um 
if you want to grow slow, grow slow. If you want to grow, you know, be a massive overnight success, put your effort into that. Whatever it is, just remember that like everyone will have advice. Pick and choose what works for you and what applies to you and what you're what you resonate with like and discard the rest you know shut out all of those voices stay in your own lane um and just yeah strip it down to micro tasks to start somewhere because you you can't learn anything if you don't start so just have a go try not to be scared easier said than done <laughs> but i think really breaking it down into tiny little micro tasks that just push you forward little by little and forgetting about the rules and just doing it your own way like i said i super gung-ho we'll jump in feet first that won't work for everybody but that works for me I you know I'm I think I've got a business plan somewhere but it certainly wasn't the first thing that I wrote um so yeah I think it's just throw the rule book out don't worry about it just just have a go and see what happens is that like super old cliche about fail fast fail cheap but it's so true just you won't know unless you try um and put yourself out there and, and just however however you can do that so breaking it down into really small tasks or you know giving yourself mini challenges or finding a great support group you know whatever that is that's going to propel you forward just take those little steps because now I'm like three years on and I look back and like talking to you I'm like I never realized I'd have so much to say <laughs> you know and, and it creeps up on you that all of a sudden you've got all this knowledge to share and um you know, there are those people who are huge, mega successes, but they're so far out of reach. And actually what you need to hear from are people who are a few steps ahead of you each time, because you can go, oh, well, I could be there by next year. Um, and you only really get that from just starting and trying and talking to other people and having a go. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I'm absolutely with you. And um, yeah, that, that's kind of the whole basis of the show as well is to, is to interview people a few years into their business journeys, because as you say, you learn so much in those first few years and you have so much to share. And um, it's, I think it's also a bit more relevant to people who are just starting out because it's not quite as as daunting when someone's you know two three four five years ahead as opposed to someone who's been doing it for 20 years and the world is probably very different when they got started so thank you so yeah. much for saying that and thank you for sharing your advice as well and for everything you've shared today it's been fantastic we've shared such a lot we've probably gone over time um <laughs> but thank you Andrew. and i told you once i get going <laughs> like, i have so much to say which i never thought i would it's been fantastic well thank you so much Reeve. really appreciate it oh no thank you for having me it's been really great to sort of share my ups and downs really <laughs> oh you're welcome as always thank you so much for listening to this episode um i really hope that you enjoyed it and that you also took something away from it too um i absolutely love to know what resonates with you um and what you actually can take away in action from listening to episodes so please please do get in touch if you'd like to it's vicky at tidychipmunk.com or find me on instagram at vicky weinberg product creation um because that's where i the social channel i most often am at um again thank you so much if you have got the time to rate and review the show i would really appreciate it um that's if you're listening apple podcast it's just a few clicks takes a couple of seconds and it would really help me out so thank you so much and i'm um, really looking forward to speaking with you again next week
If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.